We are extremely pleased today to have Pete Lubin, who's the head of cybersecurity at Dimensional Fund Advisors. Advisors. He's joining us from Austin, Texas. Hey, Pete. Howdy. How are you doing? Good. It's great to have you on. Best way to break up quarantine is to have good conversations with good people. Absolutely agree. Couldn't couldn't be happier. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks for coming on. So Pete is a um, a seasoned cybersecurity professional. He grew up in the great sub-state of Long Island, which is excellent. Yeah. And then he wisely fled New York for the the wider expanses of the Southwest. So now he's in, in Austin, Texas. So Pete, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, yeah, so so like I said, I, I spent about 19 years trying to uh, escape Long Island and the rest of my life trying never to go back, uh, but my family's there, so it happens every now and again. Um, you know, I got, my, I got my start doing this kind of stuff in the, in the boiler room days of Wall Street in the, the late 90s when I was um, doing network type stuff for proprietary trading firms and financial startups and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this was sort of the birth of, I guess, what we consider to be modern cybersecurity. Well, so maybe a little bit. I guess now we're in neo-modern cybersecurity, and so modern cybersecurity <laughs> was you know, Cisco invented the, the the blue box, and that's what everybody did. Mm-hmm. And so I was at everybody. You know, I I kind of got handed the reins to deal with uh, firewalls and VPNs and stuff like that when this was, um, you know, just starting to become a popular topic. Um, you know, I was very focused in in network technologies and network architecture, and and I guess at some point in time, you know, these roads diverge, and and you kind of decide where you want to specialize. And um, security stuff was way more interesting to me than building networks was. Yeah. And uh, there are plenty of people who would argue that that's um, that's a silly that's a silly statement, but you know, that's that's how I roll. Um, and so, just progressively over the years, I immersed myself. In, in cybersecurity and security in general, um, bounce back and forth between risk management and technical cybersecurity, as a matter of fact, engineering and engineering management. Cool. Uh, eventually full on, uh, you know, taking taking the headfirst dive into management. Uh, and I've kind of been there now for, I don't know, 10 ish years, uh, give or take. You mean um, you've been in management for 10 years? Yeah. Yep. Nice. Good um, for you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I, I've been struggling with this path for a long time. I miss my hands on the keyboard, but kind of this is this can be the best of both worlds in that you get to do the, you know, the high level architecture thinking and the sort of the vision and mm-hmm. and then and then kind of move the chess pieces around to make that stuff work, you know, as opposed to as opposed to being on the battleground. But um, you know, it all scales. It's all good. I enjoy it. That's awesome. Uh, and, and that leads me to where I am today, which is which is running the cybersecurity program for Dimensional Fund Advisors. Uh, Dimensional Fund Advisors, as you said, headquartered in Austin, Texas, is a 500 and change billion dollar asset manager. Small change. Um, what's that? Jump change. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's, you know, we, we always joke about, uh, you know, like the cost of some of the solutions we implement are generally found in the couch cushions in the in the lounge, which nobody goes to anymore because the offices have been closed since since March. Um <laughs> Uh, but you know, there's an interesting company. It's it's uh, it's based in academic research. As a matter of fact, the mm-hmm. the board's got some Nobel Prize winners on it. I mean, these are literal rocket scientists and and you know theoretical mathematicians and so on and so forth. And you know, they've they've written and and implemented a philosophy that gives them advantages in the market uh, around things that you know these these are things people have been trying to figure out for 
since the birth of the market. Hmm. Um, and so that's how they do what they do. Um, it's a wonderful company for work to work for. It's, uh, uh, it's very progressive. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, you know, I think it's just start, it's, it's about a 38 year old company. It's, it's really starting to embrace what technology can do for it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think we've gone beyond, Hey, everybody needs a computer at their desk to things that are more research-based or quant-based or app dev based and so on and so forth. And so it's, it's an interesting place to be right now as it grows into its, into its technology clothes. Um, you know, the, the cybersecurity program is actually very, very young, uh, in comparison, uh, and it's a small, highly aligned team, um, that, uh, you know, really is interested on or in, um, risk management and sort of the, the, the application of proper technology and tools and practices. This is still a risk management thing. Uh, but as we all talk about these days, you know, risk management is this multifaceted animal uh, that involves all, all sorts of things, and we'll get into that. You see, you have um, a team sure. of you have a team of eight, right? That's correct. Yep. Yeah, that is very small. We span, we span GRC related activities. Obviously, there's an asset manager, and we do business all over the world, and so we are subject to uh, any number of uh, uh, regulators and regulatory this is and that's. Uh, but we also have operations, engineering, uh, identity, and all this, all the other stuff that you would expect to see uh, at the enterprise level. And, and yeah, it's actually built, maintained, operated, managed by, by a team of eight people, which is pretty impressive. Well, it's great for your span of control as a manager. You've got eight people. Yeah, there. it makes life a little bit easier. Yep, for sure. Easier. But a large attack surface with tremendous amount yep. of assets. So yes. um, given the global nature of the firm and the assets that the firm has, what are the things that keep you awake at night the most? And you don't have to talk in for that question just about DFA, but yeah. for, for cybersecurity risk more broadly overall as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know, without getting into very specific, um, you know, things in a framework or whatever, I think in, in, in broad swaths, um, I think the shape of the world as it relates to threat is changing quite a bit. And I think it's changing because of the current situation, but I think it's been changing for a long time. Um, you know, as, as you sort of see the ease of technological advancement in adversarial techniques, just sort of hockey stick up into the right. Um, you know, the, 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 the variations one looking to gain from doing nefarious things becomes more diverse. And what I mean by that is essentially, you know, if, as an example, if malware has become commoditized, then the the next you know winner of of the flag or capturer of the flag is the one who comes up with the next variation that we didn't perceive or didn't plan for or didn't think about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a million different ways to think about this, but really the thing that keeps me up at night is what is the next thing that I haven't perceived or or thought about that that generally speaking, you know, none of my peers or anyone else who has a voice in the industry has really thought about and this is why we have jobs, obviously. I mean, this is why we do what we do because that's essentially it's this ever chasing the you know ever ever chasing uh, um, any number of cats. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so I think at a high level, that's the thing that sort of keeps me up. I think a little bit more specifically is that shift um, where I think people are now the most vulnerable asset an organization has, and I think attackers have known this for a while, but I think given the current state of the world, those ten, those types of things are seemingly much more exploitable um, given everybody's working at home. And, and 
this this is not just a well the environment's different kind of thing and the connectivity thing is is different kind of thing. It's what's going on up here is different kind of thing. Right now you're yeah. home, you got your family, you're constantly distracted. It's hard to make the 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 the, the differentiation between home assets and work assets, so on and so forth. I think um, you know this somebody smart enough to think about what that actually means as far as a vector for attack to can figure it out, right? And uh, you know as we know people are are soft and squishy and, and generally um, manipulatable. Yep. Um, it's just the way we're wired. Uh, and so, you know, the world shifts, the, the world has shifted where the bad guys and girls are now trying to take advantage of that type of stuff. And that is, that is what I worry about the most. Yeah. That's, I mean, I think that's what, that's very helpful. So how have you found, you and I have spoken before about the MITRE attack framework, which mm -hmm. is a, a framework of adversary tactics, techniques, and procedures that emerged out of the Lockheed Martin kill chain project. And it, it, it takes all of sort of known TTPs that of, of, of adversaries in the world and it puts them into a framework. I like to think of it as a periodic table because it sort of looks like that. Um, yep. Now you've said some good stuff about it. So I want to ask you, how have you found MITRE ATT&CK to have transformed your approach in your team and for your company? Yeah, so it's it's a good question. Um, I think it could be it can be answered two ways. It can be answered in a practical sense, and it can also be answered in a um, theoretical sense. And I'll I'll get into that in a moment. And so so practically speaking, um, you know, with a team with a team so small, where where essentially all of the focuses of what one of what one would consider to be an enterprise class cybersecurity organization or information security organization. Um, you know, this is th these responsibilities are basically spread super thin across a very small handful of people, and so we need to make sure that we're able to do the things like manage threat and think like adversaries and do all these other things that maybe not any you know one specific or or a handful of specific individuals on teams actually built for. Mm -hmm. um, not to say I don't have people on my team who aren't malware reverse engineers or who who don't have thirty years history in in forensics and stuff like that. Totally do, but um, they need to manage the workload of a much larger team, and so um, I I think attack gives us the ability to do a bunch of things, namely have access to a framework that gives us the ability to remain focused where we need to be focused. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the the kill chain was great, but the thing about the kill chain was it was this highly serialized thing that really. Um, other than giving you the top of the pyramid to start at, never told you how tall that pyramid was or how you were going to can get you down talk, it. Can you talk, Peter, a little bit what, what that pyramid is when you say top of the pyramid? Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, like, if, you, if you're familiar with the Lockheed kill chain, you know, you, at, any, at any position on that kill chain, you're, you're basically talking about, um, use the iceberg analogy that everybody you see on the internet, like the mm -hmm. way the picture, they, how they describe the deep web, you know, just the top of the iceberg st sticks above the water. And when you look at the kill chain, that's what you're seeing is the tip of that iceberg. But now, if you want to go vertically down what that means, and what I mean by what that means is who's the attacker, what's, what's the methodology, what, what's the target, how are all the different ways that that target can get accessed, how do you consider that as it, as it related to the step that came before it and the potential step that will come after it? Like These things, the kill chain never really did anything for you, right? So the, so the whole mm -hmm. unexposed part of that iceberg was kind of left up to the interpreter. Um, and we used 800.53 and we used all those other frameworks to sort of, to give us a way to kind of bucketize those things. 
And I think a lot of us wound up with like framework fatigue because it was like, well, I want some of that and I want some of that and I'm going to mash that whole thing together. And so now I'm essentially managing my own framework, which is different than what everybody else is doing to some degree. Mm -hmm. So attack, I think, has taken a lot of the guesswork out of how deep you want to go in any in any individual you know part of that that kill chain, but also um, it's given all the people on my team a common language, and not only that, but it's given everybody across the industry who who leverages it a mm -hmm. common language. Yep, um, we can all point to a place and be like, that's what we're talking about, right? Yep. And we can go deeper and say, here's all the stuff going on in the wild that actually pertains to somebody's ability to to successfully attack or to successfully exploit or whatever it is. Have you used um, it have you used it in meetings across the, your enterprise to be like this is the kind of attack we're looking for just so you know. So I personally as far as the the level of understanding up my chain mm -hmm. um you know cuz I'm I don't work for a high tech company I work for an asset manager and so there's literally no expectation that you know, above my boss, who's the CTO, that I'll be able to walk into a room and start talking about TTPs and then be like, oh, fascinating. You know, like there's so much context missing there and there's so much understanding of, of how that stuff boils down. But it, what it has given me the ability to, to do is communicate with the entirety of, of the technology organization mm -hmm. and even into places like risk and compliance. And, you know, there's a bit more of an understanding of really sort of um, target acquisition and the protection of targets and so on and so forth. Yep. Um, I'm still, I'm still looking for a way and, and I promise you, we'll probably wind up getting into this later as we start to talk about, um, you know, the technology, I'm trying to find a way to translate how we leverage attack and how we leverage the tools that leverage attack to produce something that I can hand to the board and say, this is why life is good, or this is why life is bad. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and like I said, we'll, we'll most certainly get into that. Um, so right now, maybe it doesn't, for me anyway, translate directly into conversations I can have at the board level. Mm -hmm. and like I said, I never, expect, never expected that that was what it would produce on its own. Mm -hmm. uh, but there are certainly ways to get there. And I think that's what we're currently trying to figure out. Yeah, we'll talk about that. I mean, that's a large yeah. part of what the security optimization platform is about, too. Right. So, so that's the that's the practical part and the and the theoretical component. You've spoken before about it. I think you said something like a it's a motherboard. You didn't say motherboard. There's mother a, brain. Mother brain. Yeah, you see yeah. it as a mother brain. Uh, yeah, yeah. And and what I mean by that, like you know, anybody who's an old school video game fan, maybe like the analogy doesn't directly connect. It's anyway. Uh, I like the, the analogy. No, tell me. Tell us the analogy. I like it. Um, you know, like when it never really got into detail, it was part of lore, but like the mother brain was essentially the controller of, it was the hive mind, right? It was, mm -hmm. it, it was the thing that controlled, unfortunately in this situation, all the bad stuff going on around you. And you had to go like, you know, destroy the mother brain to like, you know, win. But, <laughs> but anyway, the point was there was this giant brain in a jar that had all the knowledge of all the things that, that was going on around it. And it was able to sort of make sense of all that stuff and, and, and target and defend and attack and whatever it was. Um, I use it in this sense because what I'm essentially saying is like, it, it is the, it is that hive mind. And I know hive mind is generally associated with bad things, uh -huh. but in this sense, what I essentially mean is there's, there's a bazillion of us in the industry who are out there who are concerned about these things and whose day jobs it is, if not life's work, it is to sort of figure all this stuff out. Yeah. And now we've all got one place to go back to where we can figure it out and we can go as deep as we want to go or we can go as broad as we want to go 
And like you said, the periodic table is there. And if you know anything about natural sciences and so on and so forth, like that is a starting place. Mm -hmm. you, now you can go into whatever it is you want because you know exactly where you are, atomic weights and blah, 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 blah. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so I look at it that way. And like the, the application then, like so if we're talking about sort of the theoretical what it is and why it is, now we want to talk about theoretically what does it mean in, in the future. Um, and, and, you know, not to get too far ahead of, I, I think, the rest of the conversation, I, I think. Yeah, sure. No, go for it. This, rep, this represents, um, so the security industry has always been a very guarded thing. Everybody does it their own way and likes to keep it under wraps. I mean, I used to work for organizations where, you know, talk, talking about when on, what went on behind the closed doors was punishable by, by death, by termination. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the biggest problems is me and some of my, my counterparts have always talked about is we don't talk to each other. You know, we don't, we don't talk to each other outside the world, walls of our own organization. And there's a wealth of knowledge to be gained if we would just have a way to inform each other about what's going on in the world. Um, I think attack is that thing. I think it is it is a framework by which um, we can correlate experiences and we can talk about what's bad now and what's going to be bad tomorrow and and what we learned about what was bad in the past. Um, and awesome. if you look at yeah, and if you if you look at how the industry is growing and where the focus is going as it re relates to things like intelligence and threat intelligence, risk management. Um, you know, those industries or sub-industries are, are growing around attack. Like I see it a lot more. And as a matter of fact, when I, when I think about solutions I want, one of the very first questions out of my mouth is, how does this leverage attack? You know, like this, mm -hmm. is, this is the language I want to speak with my, yeah. with my counterparts. I thought it was really good. Two, two recent, very public indicators around attack. The first is the Australian Prime Minister's Office last summer released guidance when China was conducting, I think it was China was conducting a coordinated campaign against Australia. They released, they mentioned the attack framework as a method to test and detect and validate your security controls against Chinese behavior. And then also for China last week, um, the Department of Homeland Security's Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency released an alert saying this is what China's doing and it gave very explicit direction about what to do. And then at the end, it said these are the attack techniques that we know that they're going to deploy and to have a government doing that and to have everybody already pre-prepared to think about it is just tremendously transformative and and for yeah. you and me who've been in the in the business for a while this is like really new for for the young guys who who are young guys and gals who are entering now who look at it they say it's sort of de rigueur for them but not at all for us right yeah and and i think that's the big that that's sort of a well a yes it's a giant indicator right i mean it's a giant indicator of the validity of the thing the extensibility of the thing, the common language associated with the man. Hey, man, you've been doing this long enough. If governments can can talk the same way we're talking, like we're, life is good. Life is transformed. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then, like the point you made about the younger generation getting into this industry, like if we're still talking about attack fifteen years from now, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, for sure, because it's just yeah. a it's it's it is it is something into which you can put data and then get information back. Um, exactly. Which is a good. I think it's a good chance to pivot to the to the overall efficacy of attack and and attack. Has, the attack team has talked about this before, and we talk about it a lot. But um, for red teams and blue teams that are trying to validate, that are trying to test, in the case of of red or purple teams, security controls, and then validate that they work. In the case of the defender side, our proposition at Attack IQ is that. Um, you can do automated security control validation, automated testing 
through a, a platform, and that's what we do. I mean, this is what our business is. And you've been a you you've been a customer of ours for some time. Um, the security optimization platform wants to get to a place. It is it exists in a place where we increase the efficiency and and effectiveness of your cybersecurity program. And the goal is we provide you with real performance data about how your security controls are performing. And I wonder if you could, agnostic to our platform right now, but I wonder if you could talk about the value of having real performance data on the basis of using known threat TTPs to, to test your controls. Yeah, for sure. I think the, the most applicable thing that I can say that I think a lot of people in my position can relate to yeah. is if you if you look at how if you look at how the higher ups in your respective organization get information about what's going on in our industry it's either from their peers or through the media somehow through some publication through isac through the through the isac through whatever it is um, and all that leaves them with is the feeling of oh no this is going on in the world mm -hmm. what like, and then obviously this can spiral, spiral into the conversation about what are we doing about it, blah, blah, blah. And that's where, I think that's where this plays a huge role. Now, um, you know, in, 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 my, in my role, uh, you know, as the head of security, um, we perform uh, assessments and pen tests and third-party validations and all these things for different various reasons, audits for, for different various reasons throughout any given calendar year. Um, those things all produce artifacts. Yep. Um, it's a piece of paper and I can look at it and I can show it to my boss and I can say this bad, this good. Yep. Um, but now how do I, how do I take that, apply it to what the higher ups are hearing coming from the news and their peers and spit something out the other end. That's a peace of mind one way or the other, at least now you know where you stand kind of thing. Yep. And, and there are many, many other variations of this that apply from right next to me, all the way up the, the, the scale, straight to the CEO and the board. But point being is I could say, okay, you read a thing that you're concerned about. I've got an assessment here that says it's a thing we should be concerned about or not. And I could tell you what we're doing about it. But then I can, I can leverage a platform to actually show you that we've done what we said we did with, with some periodicity over time and continually show you, you know, green, good, red, bad. Um, as a way for you to understand that the thing you heard about that you were concerned about is actually on our radar. And not only that, but it's being mitigated or managed. Yep. Um, that's a, that is a giant value add use case that, that follows the life cycle of information or misinformation from beginning to end mm -hmm. and <laughs> gives me a tool by which to sort of validate no, no pun intended that, um, you know, what we do is worth what the company spends on it. Yeah, right. I think yeah. that's a simple use case that is insanely valuable. Right, because it, it's it's it. The RCEO likes to say it closes the the ecosystem in, in security because without it, it's like you don't have any lights that go on in your engine to say your engine check. Uh, it's time to take the to the car into the shop. Um, right. I like to use the term of a Fitbit. Right, it's like I like to track my resting heart rate. I like to have it at a certain range. And last week, after the smoke in California. And eating too much steak, it got too high. So I was like, all right, I got to make some changes. You know, A, I can't control the smoke, but the smoke went away. So I started running again. Now the heart rate's back closer to where it needs to be. And that yeah. way you can report out. You can get a daily report that says, this is how well our people, processes, and technology are performing. And you can then say, you know, we spent $150,000 last year on X and Y cybersecurity capability. 
And I found that it was operating at 85% effectiveness, but with the following changes, I was able to maximize it and, and move it towards 95%. And now we're getting a yep. much bigger return on our investment. Is that your understanding? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, you know, to put it in, to put it in, in partial reality terms, um, you know, what I hate to do is have to go back to the CEO who, who brought me this concern and say, yes, it's something we have to worry about. And no, we don't have a good way to deal with it right now. Totally. Um, you know, at least this, this lets me show in, 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 in extremely uh, practical terms, this is what, this is how it looks and how much we have to worry about it. And, and I can show you over time how we're buying down that risk. Right. And I, like yeah. I said, I can push that button every day if I want and, and sort of show the, show the work. Um, yeah. That's, that's the big, that's the big selling point for me. Have you detected an improvement in efficiency and effectiveness since you started using it? You know, I think what we're still trying to figure out is, so what I'm literally trying to figure out right now is um, return on investment for, based on the percentage of total technology budget spent on security. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out how to figure that out mm -hmm. <laughs> um, in, a, in a good way. Yep. Um, we, we just got a new CFO, so maybe he can help, but, um, but there is a way to essentially take that and let's just say it's, you know, the IBM recommended somewhere between 10 and 12%. And I could say, great, well, out of that 10 and 12%, based on our ability to, to um, quantify risk, uh, I can show you that that investment has essentially theoretically saved you N dollars. I mean, I, I spent in my, my job prior to this, uh, a lot of time thinking about how to quantify risk. Um, and it's an extremely theoretical space and it's extremely difficult to do. Yeah, but I think there are very practical things to say, well, you could see what else happened in the world and you could yep. see what happened to that company. Yep. And you could see what that cost them. And so even if you don't believe brass tax wise that that would have cost you that same thing, you can see that we are not susceptible to that thing and therefore don't have to worry about the potential bazillion dollars that that other company lost. Yes, you can validate you can validate the you can validate the likelihood of a potential bad outcome that you've seen in the past not happening. Exactly. 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 That's really good and useful. Right. Up the chain, they read the newspaper. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I stopped doing that a while ago because it's it's way too depressing. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they see it. You know. You know what? Um, one of the things that I like about about and one of the reasons I'm so excited about this platform and 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 this mission of improving effectiveness. Um, I'll just take one minute. Like, I remember I used to brief, I used to be like, I used to work for the Deputy Secretary of Defense, and we would sit in the, the Secretary of Staff meeting every morning at like 7.30 in the morning. And so all the undersecretaries and occasionally the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs was there, which was mind-blowing, right? To, to be in the room and the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs was reporting to the Secretary and the Deputy of Secretary of Defense is like a mind-blowing experience. And there's this one undersecretary who I care about. She's a, she's a good person. I won't name who this person was. It may actually not have been a woman. It may have been a man, like for, for the record. She, she had a very complicated portfolio, like with one of the biggest, most public affairs related issues in the entire department. And every single day she had to brief about it. And it was like one of the number one things in, in, in like facing the department. And she would consistently report on the problem without describing the exact tactics that she was going to do to change it. And I would just think to myself, I'd be like, you need to start with a plan for your solution and how you're going to make things work. And that, I think, is really what excites me about this platform and what we've heard from customers is that it, it helps you prove 
that the things that matter most are working. And for those things that aren't working, it helps you see how to fix them. Yep. Couldn't agree more. That's, that's exactly it. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear it. That's, that's what we want to do. So let's take a step back for just a second and, and, and think about um, how you would like to see the industry evolve on the basis of what you've learned in recent years around efficiency and effectiveness. What are some changes you would, you would, um, you would make either, I mean, it's hard for you to say on your own team, but what are some changes you would recommend that folks make in the field more broadly to, to maximize efficiency and effectiveness? Yeah. Um, so, so to keep this non-controversial, I'll, I'll not use swear words, but, um, <laughs> we can bleep them out, man. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> good. I'll keep that in mind. Um, s- stop letting vendors sell you garbage. Uh, point number one, because, you know, all, all the, all the swag in the world and all the AirPods and all the steak dinners and all the whatever are, you know, it's all great. You know, like if, if that's what you're into, uh, but at the end of the day, the, the, you know, rub, rub the lamp and get your wish. It never is true. It never works out that way. Mm-hmm. Um, Every vendor that says, oh, the ROI is totally there because you're getting this monstrous converged platform where everything is the same data and you're, it's not true. None of it's true. Um, and the, the only way to avoid falling into the trap of you know, the fabulous prizes and the blah, blah, blah um, is to know what you want to defend against. Uh, and, and, and to know what you want to defend against as it applies to your industry, your company, your departments, your individuals, your intellectual property, whatever it is. Um, and I think if you, if you understand that and you approach that with a, you know, through threat informed defense and you understand what the threats are and what's going on in the world and why it's important to worry about that thing and less important to worry about that thing, mm-hmm. then the solution becomes less more about what's flashy and cool and has the nice paint job. Um, as a matter of fact, um, I think you'll see that there's not, maybe not a a massive shift, but at least in my world, anyway, we put a ton more focus on what's going on in the, in the open source space, because those things are crowd refined very specific to very specific use cases. And if I go in knowing what the use case is and I know what to go look for, I don't need to buy the multi-million dollar converged solution because I don't care about nine tenths of what that thing is giving me. Hmm. Um, and I know that because I took the time to understand what the relevant threat was to mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Um, using, using the attack framework to, to, to scope yep. your thinking. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. And so if I, if I could, two things, if I could hope for the industry to go in one direction, it would be more in that direction. Mm-hmm. And if I could give anyone a recommendation on how to think about approaching your 2021 budget, like, don't worry about the golf outings and the, and the cool, you know, like logoed socks. Worry about um, what's going to kill you in your sleep. Yep. <laughs> uh, it would be really horrible if the logoed socks are what kill you in your sleep. That would be not <laughs> that Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It'd be pretty terrible. Although I've seen some of these socks and I wouldn't put it past them. Oh, man. Um, so... That's great, Pete. Now, l- let me give you a chance to take an even bigger step back and offer any concluding thoughts on the basis of what we talked about, or as we you say in the Defense Department, any alibis or un- saved rounds. 
Um, yeah, no, you know, like, like I said, um, the security industry is, is not a fame and fortune industry. I don't think it ever has, but I think back in the day, the security, you know, guys and gals were the keyboard cowboys, you know, when, when we were literally on the front lines, you know, fighting adversaries and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Things are completely different now. Mm -hmm. Um, don't forget that, that you're becoming commoditized. And the only the only way to keep yourself from slipping into obsolescence and being replaced by that multi million dollar converged solution that you know the, the tie wearers are like, yep, want that because of the socks or whatever it is, um, you need to do uh, more around educating yourself on threat and defense and what's going on in the world, and spend less time focused on getting the Ferrari in the data center in the cloud, because if, if you don't even have your driver's license, the Ferrari is not going to get you anywhere, but wrapped around a tree. That is, that is my philosophy. It is what I am. I myself attempt to stick to. It is what I encourage uh, the people that work for me to, to constantly remember. Um, and, you know, we don't have the luxury of having an unlimited budget. I'm sure these days nobody does. And it makes it a lot easier to kind of, you know, do what you got to do, but like the doing what you got to do these days is that stuff. And it's, it's the only, you know, it's the best way to make the best you. It makes you uh, more valuable as, as an individual. It makes you a more effective protector uh, of what you care about. Uh, and generally speaking, it's just better for our industry, right? Be more informed and help inform other people. That's, that's, uh, that's my take on things these days. That was incredibly well said, Pete. Yeah. Thanks. Appreciate yeah. it. That was really well said. And thank you so much for coming on uh, and sharing our thoughts with us. Or your, Anytime. Thoughts, your thoughts with Anytime. us. Um, more than happy, more than happy. Yeah, it's really great. And um, thank you listeners for tuning in. Um, a lot of these have been on video, but soon enough, they're going to be on Apple iTunes and Spotify and all things like that. So um, for those of you who still listen to podcasts, of which I don't because I don't go to the gym, um, maybe I'll start again sometime soon, um, that you'll be able to do that too. So Thank you, Pete. Let's wish him a right, nice, right, uh, whatever, whatever, whatever word is trying to come out of my mouth. A nice round of applause. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks, man. Yeah. I really appreciate it. You bet. Me too.